what's more challenging is when you're struggling and no one else is that that's that's a hard sell to your to your team but when they see the whole industry is struggling and you're communicating with them frequently what you're doing to to uh to get through these difficult times or what you need from them to help you get through it uh, that makes things a lot easier. People have buy-in and they know that there's a vision, there's a direction, there's a game plan. It's when you don't say anything and you're not communicating with them uh, what's going on and how you're going to fix it. That's when people start to get nervous. Three, two, one, zero, ignition, liftoff. Ending small business failure. Welcome to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with the number one small business expert, Melinda Emerson. Melinda's goal is to end small business failure, and she'll give you the information you need to succeed and live the life you dream of. Now, here's your host, the Small Biz Chat Lady herself, Melinda Emerson. Aren't you ready to shine on a national stage? Join me in Philadelphia, September 21st to the 23rd, for Brand in Demand Live. I want to teach you how to become a national sought-after brand in your field. It's time for you to take the spotlight that you deserve. Hi, everybody. I'm Melinda Emerson, the small biz lady, America's number one small business expert. And I am so excited to welcome you to another episode of the Small Biz Chat Podcast. Now, if our current economy is stressing you outright, you're in the right place. One of my guests has suggestions for weathering the storm and what we need to be thinking about going forward. Now, here on the Small Biz Chat Podcast, we talk about how to start and grow a successful small business. We give it to you from different angles, and it is sage advice that you would have to pay lots of money for otherwise. The way we look at the Small Biz Chat podcast is that we are a peer-to-peer mentoring program. Now, the mission of Small Biz Chat is to end small business failure, and that is always our focus. The Small Biz Chat live broadcast can be seen on my YouTube channel or on my Small Biz Lady Facebook page. Please go there and watch us and subscribe and share the stream. We want lots of people to get the information about all of my experts today. Now, it's time for me to introduce my guest, Nick Ron. He is the founder and CEO of House Buyers of America. He is an industry veteran with over 20 years of experience as a real estate investor. He founded the Home Buyers of America in 2001 selling homes through his hybrid real estate model that balances technology with human on-the-ground expertise. Nick took the Home Buyers of Association from zero to $50 million within his first three years of business operation. Nick is an Ernest & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award winner and has been featured in USN Day and the Wall Street Journal and the U.S. News and Roll Report, to name a few. For more information, go to Home Buyers of America dot com. Nick, welcome. Good to be here, Melinda. So tell us, how did you get started in business? Because you still look kind of young for somebody that's grown a $50 million business. So did you start when you were 12? What, you know, Tell me what, what's going on. How did you start your business? I uh, appreciate that. Well, I, if you think I look young now, I looked a lot younger uh, 22 years ago. I was 26 years old. I started you know, shortly after college, about three years after college. 
But, um, you know, started really my entrepreneurial days started when I was growing up. Um, we had to hustle, me and my three brothers and sister. We um, grew up really poor. My mom was on welfare. And so we had to hustle just to buy things that we wanted. So we, we were collecting cans, delivering newspapers, uh, landscaping. So we, we just learned the grind early on and learned to chase after things we wanted because nothing was handed to us. Coming out of college, I had a great job uh, selling software east of the Mississippi. I was traveling a lot, doing a lot of business development, learned a lot about marketing technology. Then I read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and that lit the spark in me for, for real estate. I knew nothing about real estate, didn't even own a house, but I said, this sounds exciting. Sounds like a great way to make money and to, uh, to build wealth. And basically, this book teaches you how to make money work for you rather than you work for money. And so I love the whole you know, the whole concept of passive income and, and wealth creation. So my initial goal was to buy about a hundred rental properties over like a 10, 15 year period and eventually retire off of that and, and had no intention of doing what we do today. And so I started when I was 26 years old and actually I was working full time and I'd get home around five o'clock and do my real estate business from five to nine and did that nights, nights and weekends, we bought 26 houses our first year. And I said, well, I started making more money part-time than full-time. And so I said, it's time to quit my job. So I did that in September of that year. Next year, we bought 100 houses. Third year, bought 250 houses and did over $50 million in annual revenue. And so very fast growth rate, but started from just renting houses. And then I quickly shifted to, to the buy, fix, sell models, flipping houses. I've um, been doing that ever since. So your business grew very fast. What were your biggest challenges as your business was growing? Well, just inexperienced. Uh, I was young. I was uh, started hiring people uh, early on. In fact, my first two employees worked at the basement of my house. No joke. Finally got some office space. and But I was hiring people literally twice my age and I, I lacked confidence. I didn't know how to manage people older than me. And so I had to get over that. I trusted some people too much, some not enough, and I had to learn how to hire people, right? So we made a lot of bad hiring decisions, made a lot of management mistakes. So that was probably my biggest one. I also knew nothing about real estate, so I had to learn that over time. And uh, But I did find that my lack of real estate experience uh, helped me because we could look at the industry with fresh eyes. And so we were constantly trying new things. Uh, rather than trying the old tried and proven ways in the real estate industry. And and back then when we started, although, you know, doing what we do now is, is pretty popular and they have HGTV, but back in 2001, probably count on one hand, number of people were buying houses at scale. And so we had to figure everything out. There was no textbook. There was no seminar you could go to, to learn how to do this at scale like we were doing. Those are some of my biggest challenges. So when you were, you know, you said you bought 26 houses the first year, 100 houses the second year, 250 houses the third year. Did you do that with your money or did you do that with other people's money? How did you finance all of this growth that you had in your business? Good question. Um, you know, we did some owner financing, some hard money lending, and you know, I came into the business, you know, from a very successful career in business development. So took some of my own cash in the business and I was always, you know, re you know, reinvesting money into the business. But yeah, I, there's no way I could have bought 26 houses uh, with, with my piggy bank. That wasn't going to happen. Yeah, I, I completely, completely get that. So right now, the uh, real estate business is kind of interesting right now with, real, with interest rates going up every five minutes. How 
you know, how do you reassure your team when things start getting a little a little sketchy? Well, thankfully for us, uh, we went through 2008, and, and, and this is nothing compared to that. So we've been pretty fortunate. We've actually been growing quite a bit during this the downturn in real estate market the last year. And so while everyone else is retrenching, we've been growing. However, you know, back in 2008, I can tell you things were not that great, you know, the first year during that transition. And we just, we, we learned early on, you know, just have to communicate, over-communicate to your team, let them know what's going on. And, and people are dumb. They read the headlines. They know that everyone's struggling, not just you. What's more challenging is when you're struggling and no one else is. That, that's, that's a hard sell to your, to your team. But when they see the whole industry is struggling and you're communicating with them frequently what you're doing to, to, uh, to get through these difficult times or what you need from them to help you get through it, uh, that makes things a lot easier. People have buy-in and they know that there's a vision, there's a direction, there's a game plan. It's when you don't say anything and you're not communicating with them uh, what's going on and how are you going to fix it. That's when people start to get nervous. So you talked earlier about how you had some staffing issues kind of early on. You know, how did you get over that? Did you hire an HR person? Like, how did you get to the point where you started making good hires? Yeah, just I've always been big on reading a lot, getting a lot of advice, uh, hiring consultants, and so just talking a lot of people. I had an HR consultants. I've had you know uh, hired an HR manager. And, uh, you know, just constantly tweaking the formula. And I just think that's so important for any entrepreneur. You just got, you know, you're always, you're always trying to find a better mousetrap, better way to do things. And so we developed, you know, job descriptions and, you know, questions for each position and really systematized our process. So that way it was a little more rigorous and we learned what we're looking for, what kind of skills we're looking for, what kind of attitude, what kind of culture fit. And so initially, you know, if I met someone who sounded good in the interview, I was ready to hire them right away. And I learned, you know, that there are a lot of people who are very good at interviewing, very slick in the interview process, but they're not very good at doing the actual work. And so I had to learn the hard way and how to ask the tough questions and, and be a, a little skeptical, if you will, in not, not just listening to what they're saying, but also try to dig, dig a little deeper in their background and trying to find out, you know, what were their past results? I learned the hard way, you know, the past performance is the best predictor of future performance. So just asking the questions and verifying and validating, and you know, we do assessment testing now. So we have a pretty rigorous process and, and we've been able to make some fantastic hires over the years after we figured that out. Now, is there a particular category of hire that you found the toughest was it the guys that were fixing the floors? Was it the salespeople? Like who was who's the toughest for you to hire? You know, I would say we never had a tough time hiring. I mean, you know, you always have to be patient and wait for the right person. But I think during COVID was just brutal because there was there were very few people out in the marketplace in the real estate sector. Construction, real estate was booming. Uh, everyone knows what's happened in the last few years in the business. So trying to find good project managers, good purchasing managers, those kind of folks was challenging. Salespeople was not as challenging and some of the operational people, but construction and purchasing was was uh, was tough. But you just had to be that much better. So when you really started to grow, how did you engage your team around feedback? You know, as a young CEO, I'm imagining that, you know, some of the people that were older than you might have had some good ideas to share with you. Like how receptive were you of that 
at that time versus how receptive you are to something like that now? Yeah, I was always pretty receptive. I think you have to be pretty humble as a CEO, even if you've been doing that. I'm 22 years into this and I'll listen to anyone on my team, even the younger staff members, they, they have ideas, they've had experiences that I don't have. So you just have to ask. And you have to genuinely show that, that you, you want their opinion. And I always tell people, just be brutally honest. If I know they, you know, maybe they, they're going to tell me something I don't want to hear, I'll tell them, you know, just, just, just give it to me. I'm, I'm ready for it. And I've got thick skin. And I think if you're honest with them about that, and, and if you're really eager to hear the truth, uh, they'll tell you. So I just ask them to do one-on-ones. Um, sometimes I'll take them out to, to breakfast. I've done that in the past. And one of my favorite questions is, if you were CEO, what would you do differently? And it really gets them thinking and they'll pause and, and they'll, they'll, uh, they'll give me some good feedback. I even at one point hired an executive coach and he would engage with my staff and sometimes he could hear things that I wouldn't. And so I was able to get feedback that way. And we have all hands meetings and, cur- and we will do breakout sessions where the team without a manager will discuss certain issues or challenges and come up with ideas and, and present it to, to management. So we've done that as well. And so we've, we've always tried to find creative ways to get feedback from people. Good stuff. Well, when we come right back on the Small Biz Chat podcast, we're going to talk more with my guest, Nick Ron, about how he's grown his business and how you can do the same. Hi there. Here's today's boss tip. If you're trying to figure out pricing on a contract, did you know that you could actually go to Google and hit training company pricing and see what Google has for you? You'd be amazed how much information there is out on the internet. And think about putting .pdf and .edu. That might get you there faster, too. Welcome back to the Small Biz Chat Podcast. I'm Melinda Emerson, your host. And I'm here with my guest, Nick Ron, from the Home Buyers, Home Buyers of America. And Ron, I'm real, Nick, I'm really interested to ask you, what are the three biggest mistakes you think that small business owners make? I see a lot of uh, times uh, small business owners aren't building systems and processes. A lot of times the visionary runs at the seat of their pants, their ideas, people, and, and uh, they, they have an idea a minute. But putting systems and processes and you know, the boring details of building the business, they don't want to get involved with. So that's, that's big. I think the second thing is you have to measure results. You have to track everything. So you got to track and see what's working. Um, Every employee of your company should have a number. What are they being measured on? What's their performance metric? So you need to, need to have a scorecard where you can see the business at a snapshot and see how is, how is the business doing? Be able to predict issues down the line rather than waiting for the problem to happen and then trying to reactively correct it. Hiring people. I see a lot of mistakes with that. People just hiring the wrong people, maybe even hiring friends and family. That's, a, that's always a big challenge. You know, um, uh, it's tough to manage your buddy. Oh, I tell so, people all the time: don't hire somebody you can't fire. It's bad for business and bad for you. <laughs> I'm a big, 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 big proponent. Give him a check, not a job. Don't do it, please. Don't do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I co-sign you with the hiring 100. percent Those are the big ones I see over and over. If you get those three things right, I mean, people are the most important part of your business. It's your greatest asset, it really is. It's not just a cliche, but, you know, if you get the right people, you know, 90% of your problems will be solved. If you've got eight players on your team, they'll figure out the, you know, the, you know, how, to, how to solve the problems and, and they'll, uh, you know, they'll, they'll be working, you know, to, to, uh, to really, you know, to, to improve their performance and to better the company. It's just in their nature. If you hire the right people, you know, that's, that's 90% of it. 
How important is it to share big and to really celebrate big and small wins? Well, it's huge. It's like wind in the sails of your team. And so we're always looking to share successes. It's part of our all hands meeting that we have every month and just part of a day to day. You know, people are working hard and they want to know that what they're doing matters and it's making a difference. And so tying that success back to their individual, you know, their individual role and what they've done recently and being specific, hey, here's what you did and here's why we're able to sell this house for more money or do this or do that. That's really important. And so really driving it down to the individual as well as the team and give, giving credit for the success is, is, is huge. All right. Last question. What is the best business advice you've ever gotten? Best business advice I've ever gotten? I would say be slow to hire, quick to fire. I've learned initially, I'd mentioned earlier, take your time hiring people. Don't rush it. Sometimes it'll take six months to hire someone. So be, be patient, be picky, trust your gut. If something tells you this person might not be the right, the right fit, even though their resume looks perfect, uh, just wait. You might lose that person by waiting, but trust your gut. And if someone's not working out, you know, there are some things people can fix. You can fix skills. You can fix things that, that are teachable. You know, people can learn. They're teachable. But you can't fix people's attitudes. If mom and dad couldn't fix that, I can't fix that. You can't fix people's work ethic. Um, can't fix you know, uh, character. Someone's not honest. You know, like I said, if mom and dad couldn't fix that one, I'm, I'm not going to be able to fix that. So, yeah, Saturday and Terry, he's a little hard to teach. <laughs> you got to let that way you're little, for sure, for sure. Well, thank you so much, Nick. I, I've really enjoyed learning more about you and your business. And hang tight. We're going to bring you back a little bit for a little panel. But I really enjoy learning about your story. And, and your advice was very helpful. And when we come back, we're going to be talking with a sales expert about how you should be putting your buyers first. I'm Melinda Emerson, the Small Biz Lady. You're watching the Small Biz Chef Podcast, and we will be right back. Aren't you ready to shine on a national stage? Join me in Philadelphia, September 21st to the 23rd for Brand in Demand Live. I want to teach you how to become a national sought-after brand in your field. It's time for you to take the spotlight that you deserve. Thanks for listening to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with Melinda Emerson. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and join us next Wednesday for more fantastic information and interviews. You can find more sources and small business success strategies by visiting Melinda's website, succeedasyourownboss.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.